Thanks for tuning in to the Docs Sportscast uh, today. So we are going to be talking about the NBA. Uh, obviously, uh, still in the middle of the playoffs, really in the heat of it right now, as everything is starting to really look like it's becoming a series. Um, I know many people in the beginning, you know, especially Aurora, was thinking, you know, oh, you know, a couple of these teams might get swept, but you know, all of them are holding pretty well, at least it looks like right now. Um, obviously, the um, Suns Clippers series a little bit further along than the Hawks and Bucks right now, but uh, it does look like more of a series than I think a lot of people would have anticipated, and that's great. That's great for the game. We'd love to see uh, really competitive games, but uh, yeah, Aurora is definitely uh, happy she didn't put any money on any of those uh, any of those uh, sweeps or anything out there. Um, but yeah, and Aurora, with that being said, we'll actually jump into the first topic uh, for today, and that's an update on the Hawks-Bucks, okay? So game four currently being played. Before this game, Aurora was sitting um, over on a couch, and she was asleep. She was laying under some pillows, and was, you know, she said, hey, Trey Young's not playing. This is going to be a boring game. Uh, I'm just going to go sleep. And she decided that she would sleep throughout the game. So, um, after the first quarter ended and I told her the score, uh, she jumped up out of bed and was like, what? Freaking out. Freaking out what was going on. Um, so, guys, it, uh, the Hawks did jump out to a pretty good lead here um, in the beginning of the game. And they're continuing to play very well throughout the game. Currently, uh, we are in the uh, third quarter at this point. Um and, you know, here's the thing, guys. I don't know why we're surprised. I don't know why we're surprised um, why the the Hawks are not – I don't know why we are not surprised about the Hawks playing well. Um, or, sorry, I don't know why we are surprised about the Hawks playing well. Ugh, sorry, I could not get that right. Um, because think about this, guys. We talked about this with the Philadelphia 76ers, how they cannot adjust, right? The Milwaukee Bucks aren't any different. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks are, are not any different. They they can make adjustments, but, man, it's really hard for them. It's really hard for them to make adjustments. It's hard for a lot of teams to make adjustments in the NBA. Like, flat out, that's just, that's just how it is right now. It's really difficult for a lot of teams to make adjustments, and I get it. You know, it's, um, it's just something that's a bit of a challenge for teams. Um, you know, when when they have to change their game plan, things like that. I understand it, okay? But the thing that you notice with the Haw the Bucks, okay? And go back. Look at the playoffs, okay? Here's the thing. Up against the Miami Heat. They played the Miami Heat last year, guys. And they lost. They had a series with the Miami Heat where they were able to figure out what to do, Okay? Yeah, they, they got beat, but I guarantee, you know, Coach Bud was able to sit there and look back at tape from last year and figure out, all right, here's what we're going to do. And they ended up sweeping. But take a look at this now. And uh, after that series, what'd they do? They dropped two games to the Nets right away before they won their first two games. Okay. What does that tell you? Then you get into, well, a lot of people's going to say, oh, well, you know, the Nets were just that good, you know, before Kyrie went out and all that stuff. Ah, that doesn't really paint that picture to me because you look at the Hawks series, what happened? Game one. They dropped game one. Okay. 
Then they came out, crushed them in game two. Game three, Atlanta made some adjustments, but the Bucks stuck to what they were doing, and the Bucks won game three. Then all of a sudden, Trey Young is hurt, and he's not going to play. Star player for Atlanta is not going to play. Everybody's sitting there thinking, oh, this isn't going to be a game. You know, this is just, this, they're going to blow them out. Hawks don't have any firepower. Why would y'all think that? <laughs> Why would y'all think that? Because this team literally was built around Trey Young from the standpoint that if you have a shot, if you get a look, you're going to knock it down because Trey's going to get you those looks. Okay? Bogey, Herter can knock down some shots. Lou Williams, it, Lou, Lou Williams is great when he has the ball in his hands, okay? And so the thing is, he hasn't been that effective. Why is that? Because he hasn't had the ball in his hands. He needs to be running the scoring point, okay? He needs to be the point guard that's trying to score. That's his role. That's what he's always been. So him going out there now, now he's getting to do the role that he's familiar with, right? That's going to change things up for sure, okay? So... That's a big focus. And then <clears throat> your whole game plan's changing. Right? So you got Cam Reddish who's back healthy. Now he's playing. He's played some good minutes and things so far. You know, you got some good, decent guys that can come off the bench and, and put up some some points, uh, play some defense out there. And so why are we thinking that they're just going to lay down? You know, Bogey's getting healthier and healthier. You give him any room, he's going to knock down jump shots. So... Um, again, Bud, Coach Bud, as we saw, can't make adjustments on the fly, right? He clearly didn't have enough time to sit there and make adjustments and think about what they were going to do from a game plan point, from a strategy standpoint, and it's really hurt the Bucks. The other thing is, the Bucks, oftentimes, they're, they're still a young team from the standpoint of understanding how to, how to play with intensity every game. And that's something that needs to be learned over time, okay? It has to be learned over time to continuously play with intensity. Because there's plenty of times the hot, the Bucks will lose games to teams they shouldn't lose to, but they'll beat teams that they shouldn't be, that people thought they shouldn't have beat either. And that's just how they've been playing. So you can say, oh, they played to their opponent's level. I don't really know if that's really the correct way to talk about it. Um but they do have a hard time maintaining their intensity, okay? And I think they felt they weren't going to be super challenged, but but they they were going to be because it's a huge adjustment, and Coach Bud doesn't doesn't know how to help them when it comes to making adjustments. That's why they got thumped by the Nets when James Harden came back. It's not because James Harden actually did anything. He just stood in the corner by himself, and all, all it did was help free Kevin Durant up. So, like... Coach Bud does not adjust well on the fly. That's really hurting them in this game. Um, you know, the game plan going into it, I mean, you can watch from the initial plays. What was the strategy? What are they trying to do? What mismatches are they trying to get? It's almost like Coach Bud looked at the team and said, oh, you know what? Trey Young's not going to be there. They're not going to outscore us tonight. All right, you guys just go out there and play some pickup ball and we'll win. Like, you can't, you can't do that. You cannot do that. So... I feel like that's what they did. I really do. I feel like that was really their mentality going into this game. And the Hawks are now being efficient 
from a possession standpoint because before, guys, there's so many possessions that the Hawks wasted. There's so many possessions where Trey Young comes down, jacks up a shot that he shouldn't be shooting, and just wastes that possession, okay? And the Bucks had the <laughs> they had the luxury of sitting back and waiting for him to miss a bunch of shots so that they could get more quality looks, okay? Because they they take quality looks. They do. They do a good job at taking quality looks, okay? Even though there's nights that they just don't hit them. That's that's the big problem with them. You know, you've got guys who can hit shots, but none of them that are like, oh, it's a consistent shooter, okay? DiVincenzo not being there definitely hurts them. Um, and I think that could have made, you know, the huge factor there. Uh, similar to the Sixers, when you look at them, you have a team that, hey, you add some shooters like a Seth Curry and stuff. Now they're really competitive again, like they were this year. That's all That's all they really need is they need that consistent shooter. Um, and right now, they haven't had it. When Chris Middleton is shooting well, they're easily going to win games. If he's not shooting well, they're not going to easily win games. They might be able to win based on their defense, but it's going to be a close one. So, again, I don't understand why everybody's going to be so surprised by this. Um, you know, the Hawks are now being efficient with possessions, and the Bucks are not providing intensity. You know, the, Chris Middleton and Gian- Giannis ha- have been sleepwalking. They haven't been engaged. And then in the second half, they got engaged. Um, so, honestly, Young being out is probably one of the best things for the Hawks in game one um, it, for one game. Uh, it's probably the best thing for the Hawks for this one game because of the fact that Milwaukee is not going to understand how to adjust. Now, if this if he's out a second game, yeah, Milwaukee's going to crush him. Like that that's that's going to happen. But this is really going to be a challenge. And there's one more quarter left. They're up 21 points right now. It's highly I'm not going to say it's highly unlikely. Statistically, statistically it's not likely that they will come back and win this game. However, I think there is a much higher probability than usual for this because the Bucks are the better team overall. Um, I think they could end up coming back. You know, all it takes is, again, some of these guys for the Hawks going cold too. But they do tend to have more consistent shooters. You know, Bogey's a consistent shooter. Herder's a fairly consistent shooter. Um, Gallo's kind of streaky. You know, Williams is kind of streaky. So th- those are the guys that, you know, you don't know. They might go cold. And so if you if you D up everybody else and those guys go cold, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. But Cam Reddish just hit a three from the corner. So uh, it, it it's, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be a huge uphill battle for them. And I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Um, so we'll see. You know, Chris Middleton's going to have to get going. He just knocked down a shot. Um, and if that happens, maybe they can come back in this. But Giannis went down in the game, and he has not come back in since. Um, so I, I'm not sure everything going on. You know, I do I do mute the the TV while I'm doing the podcast, so I don't know all the details. Uh, you could easily tell that he hyperextended his knee. Um, it, it looked like it hyperextended uh, and kind of buckled at the same time, uh, coming down from a contested uh, contesting a shot attempt. And, um, yeah, it, that's, it, it sucks. It really sucks, guys. Um, I was listening right in the beginning when that happened, and it was really nice to at least hear 
the Atlanta Hawks fans like did shut their mouths um, and they weren't being nasty about it. Um, so good sportsmanship from them. I'm very happy about that. You know, there's definitely some fan bases out there that wouldn't have give a crap. And then they would have continued heckling him because they've given Giannis such a hard time tonight. You know, him airballing so many shots and stuff. So I'm very happy to see that sportsmanship. Um, it makes me get some respect back for Hawks fans. Um, and it makes me like the Hawks a little bit more um, than I did, you know. So we'll we'll see what happens um, with the rest of this game. Uh, maybe do an update a little bit later. But um, let's go ahead and move on from right now. All the best to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hope that he is able to come back. Um, I don't know if they've officially ruled something that he's not going to come back or not yet. I don't know that. I haven't seen an update. But, um, man, like, it, it's really going to suck if it's, a, if it's a devastating injury for him. Because, um, uh, like, like he, he matters more to the Bucks than... Trey Young matters to the Hawks because, like I said, they don't they don't adjust well, and you just you know Trey Young when he leaves they've got capable guards they've got capable scorers in Atlanta, but these other guys Middleton needs to get going, Drew Holiday needs to get going, and he's very good at passing the ball and getting assists and getting open looks for people, but without Giannis. There's not a guy who can do that pick and roll the right way. I mean, they, they might still have a good chance to win, but it's really going to hurt them, um, especially if he's out for the finals. If they get there, there's no shot for them at that point. So, anyway, let's move on from this. Um, again, we hope all is well with Giannis, and maybe he can come back in this game. Uh, I think that would be great if we could see him at least come back for a little bit. Suns and Clippers. Okay, guys, moving on to the other series. The Suns and Clippers. Um, Paul George turned into... Paul George from Indiana before his uh, his you know really bad injury in the Olympics. Um, crazy. Crazy to see that, guys. Um, he went absolutely bonkers um, last night, um, which is, you know, um, a couple nights ago from when you guys are listening to this. But, man, he went bonkers. Uh, I, I don't know. You know where that came from. I mean, I'm a huge Paul George fan. I, I love watching him play. He's one of my favorite players. He was my favorite player in the league at one point. Um, there's been a few things, you know, him changing teams and the way he's changed teams. It's kind of knocked him down a little bit in my eyes. But man, I love watching him play. I think he's one of the smarter players out there, and he's got all the ability in the world. I mean, he definitely showed that the other night. So, um, you know, it, it's exciting to see him have that kind of game. Um, but and he was deadly. I mean, he was deadly out there um, from a shooting standpoint, but even just from a tax standpoint, like he knew what to do. He knew how to play the defense. He knew how to get past this guy. So really great play from him out there. Now, Jeff Van Gundy was pretty, he was, he was pretty um, negative on it. I think it was him. It might've been Mark Jackson, but, but one of them, Van Gundy or Jackson, one of them was, was pretty negative on him for not being intense not being into the game, you know, not being like emotionally charged in the game, uh, not being attack, 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 you know, have that killer instinct. And here's the thing, guys, that's just how Paul George is. Even when he was in Indiana and he was up against LeBron and they pushed him to, to seven games against, um, I believe it was Cleveland. I don't think he was in Miami, but I think it was against Cleveland. Um, like Paul George still 
it was never like that Allen Iverson type of player. It was never like, oh, give me the ball. I'm going to dominate right now. Like, no, it's, hey, my team is a team for a reason. Um, they're going to get their shots. I'm going to work into the offense. I'm going to flow in the offense. And, you know, if if when I'm given the ball, I will take over during that play. But I'm not going to take the ball away from my teammates. I'm not going to take away their opportunities. And, honestly, that's what made the Clippers so deadly. Um, that's why they were able to win that game. Um, it was, it was a hundred percent because Paul George did not try to take over. He just did what he could within his realm. And honestly, that's the best way to play. Um, you know, you give other guys a chance to make their shots and do their thing. That's what's going to make your team play the most effective. And in today's game, no one player can do it on their own. No one player can do that. Okay. Um, You've got to have your teammates and role players step up around you. And if you play the way Paul George did, you're going to allow them to get a rhythm. You know, Morris got going. He got hot. He kept hitting shots. Okay? That was huge because they needed that. They really did. And what happened is he let his teammates get going. He let them get intense. Let them make shots. Let Reggie Jackson get going. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, they couldn't double Paul George. When he got the ball at the end of the game and, and the teammates said, you know what, we don't want this, you take it. He looked at the, the, the defense and said, all right, all these guys around you are hot. All these guys around you are ready to hit shots right away. So you go ahead and try and double team me because they're going to hit their shots, and they couldn't. They couldn't stop and double team him. They couldn't put someone else on him. And all of a sudden, three after three after three, getting in the paint making shots, getting fouled, like he could have get whatever he wanted because he set it up that way. He played so smart throughout the first three quarters that when it got to the fourth, there was nothing they could do to stop him because if they did, they knew they were going to get burned by someone else. So, honestly, I loved it. I loved watching that game. Um, you know, I am rooting for the Suns in that series. I, I do want to see the Suns win, but, man, um, you know, he maintains his poise. He doesn't get overly emotional and overly intense, and that's a big reason why he can step up and do the things he does in the fourth quarter like he did the other night. Um, this made him deadly at the end of the game. You know, he, he didn't get overly emotional or, um, you know, hyped or into the stress uh, of the situation. Like, no, he's on an even kill all the time. What you're going to get from him is consistent, solid player every play, and that's what I really like to see about him. So, the, the, on the other side of the ball, guys, we talked about the Clippers, but on the other side of the ball, Devin Booker's got to lose that mask, guys. He's got to get rid of it. He's got to get rid of that face mask because um, he he just looks so uncomfortable, guys. He just looks so uncomfortable. Um, like, you know, he, he missed two free throws in a row. Like, that is not Devin Booker. Um, you know, he missed some wide-open shots. Uh, he was missing layups at the rim. Like, he it did not look like Devin Booker out there. It was very, very upsetting um, to sit there and watch that. So, you know, maybe he keeps going. Uh, maybe he, you know, gets used to it at some point. But, man, if I was him, I would get rid of it because the way he looked the previous game when he took it off, he just looks so much better. Um, so much better. Now, Chris Ball played pretty well. Um, he really did. And, honestly, it, it wasn't – the Suns' fault. It wasn't. It wasn't that the Suns didn't do something properly or whatever. Yes, they could have played more efficiently. 
Um, but they had some guys step up and play pretty well. Um, they really, really did. Um, it was it was interesting because, you know, when you sit there and you look at the game, you know, it, it's like, well, you know, the, the Clippers, you know, ended up beating them by 14. Like, that's, you know, that, that probably wasn't that great of a game. Clippers probably killed them the whole game. Well, no, that, that really wasn't the situation here, guys. If you look at it, you know, the Suns put up 102 points, okay? If you're putting up over 100, your team's not offensively inefficient, all right? So it's not like they didn't play efficient basketball. They really did. They shot 45% from the field, okay, which is pretty good. It's it's not it's not bad, okay? They shot 34% from three-point range, pretty good. They made um, every one of their free throws except for three. So 85% from the free throw line, 17 of 20. They played overall a pretty good game. They really did, you know. Assists were were fine, um, but they they could have got some more assists, I think, in there. They only had 22, um, but you look at LA, they only had 20. So, you know, overall they were efficient in how they played. I don't think it was the fact that oh the Suns lost that game. That's not the way to look at this. The Clippers won that game. That's what happened. They got hot, and they won that game. All right, Paul George willed them to win that game, but. But it's because the whole team, as the team as a whole, got hot. Okay, they shot 54% from the field. They shot 33% from the three-point line. Okay, so even that's even less than Phoenix. But you know they made 14 of 15 free throws. Um, yeah, I mean they they just played really well. Now here's the other thing: Demarcus Cousins was an X factor. He really, he really was an X factor, guys. And this is the thing. And I, I thought this could have happened, um, you know, when Zubac is out. Again, this is coaches not knowing how to adjust. Like Ty Lue and and you know Mont, Monty, Monty Williams is a great coach. I, I do not discredit him in any way. Um, but I think he didn't. I don't think he. I don't think anybody, you know, except maybe myself, you know, and maybe my mom if she was paying attention to the games. Um, would have seen DeMarcus Cousins playing and be like, oh, wow, that's going to be a big deal. And it is. DeMarcus Cousins is nothing to sneeze at. Like, he he used to be, you know, all-star every year. He was the guy in Sacramento for so many years. Like, when he went to Golden State, when they signed him, everybody was like, oh, my God, Golden State's going to win a championship. Like, overnight. And obviously, he, he got hurt and everything. But, guys, like, DeMarcus Cousins has a lot of skills. He has a lot of talent. Now, back in the day, the problems with DeMarcus Cousins was that he, you know, was hot-headed. He made bonehead plays. You know, he needed to be he needed to be set on his rear end and told, "Hey, you you need to shut up and play the game the right way." And guess what? He's coming off the bench and he's only playing cuz a guy got hurt. What's that going to do? That's going to make you sit there and play good basketball. And that's what he did. He shot 7 of 12, okay? He only took two three-pointers, which for him is is pretty reserved because he loves to pop some threes. But 7 of 12 from the field, that's really good for him. In 11 minutes, he put he put up 15 points. In 11 minutes. I mean, guys, that, that's, that's awesome. That's really, really great, you know? Um... He had three assists, you know, only two rebounds. I think he could have done a better job uh, rebounding out there. But, again, he was only out there for 11 minutes. So, if I'm the Clippers, I'm going to sit and play him more. 
I'm I'm definitely going to play DeMarcus Cousins more. I think that's the adjustment I would continue to make. Um, even if Zubac is healthy, I, I would play DeMarcus Cousins a little bit more. Maybe even pull Nick Batum off the court because offensively he's not adding much for you. Um, you know, he only took two shots. He only made one. He only had two points. I mean, he's not really been an offensive threat for most of this game. Um, or you don't put Luke Kennard in, and maybe you play a little bit bigger up against the Suns every now and then because if DeAndre Ayton gets going, you know, that, that can really hurt you as well. And Ayton had a pretty solid night, but I think Cousins I, I think Cousins kept him out of the paint a little bit. I think his presence in there was someone big enough to keep Ayton from going off. So, anyway, yeah, I think those are the big adjustments. Um, you know, Devin Booker looked pretty uncomfortable. He shot 9 for 22, um, 4 of 6 from 3. I just felt that he was uncomfortable. Okay, now... People are going to look at the stat sheet and be like, 31, min 31 points, okay? He put up 31 points. Like, how could he have been uncomfortable? He was. He was uncomfortable, guys. If you watch that game and you know him, you've seen him play in these games before this, you would know he's uncomfortable. Him missing those two free throws in a row like that, that's uncomfortable. He missed open three-pointers, all right? Because he didn't take a lot of contested ones. He only, I think he only took one actual contested three-pointer. And then for the two-point shots, I mean, he shot 9 for 22. He's usually a bit better than that. And, man, he missed some really easy ones, okay? Chris Paul missed, missed some of his go-to shots as well. I think he's still getting some of that rust off from being out the way he was, um, you know, because there's just some of those uh, shots, you know, moving to his right and taking those, those fadeaway shots, you know, free throw line extended just inside the free throw line, like, like, those are his go-tos, you know, and, he, and he's going to make those all the time. So it, it's just interesting that he missed um, as many of those as he did. Uh, and he didn't make any of his six three-point shots. So anyway, he makes, you know, if he makes a couple of those, you know, Jamison Crowder makes one of his four shots that he took, you know, then, then they're going to be more, they're going to be in the game a little bit more than what they was. So um, I, I think it's going to come back to the regression. Again, these guys got hot. Paul George got hot. He shot 15 for 20, guys. 15 for 20. That's bonkers. Like I said, bonkers. He played absolutely amazing. Marcus Morris shot 9 for 16. Guys, that's really good for him. He shot 2 for 5 from 3. Um, Patrick Beverly even made a 3. I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> They had everybody going, and DeMarcus Cousins, 7 for 12. So, I mean, that's the thing. You had everybody step up. Everything kind of went the way that the Clippers wanted in that game. Um, but I don't think the Suns are going to be deterred going to L.A. I don't think it's going to stop them. Uh, I don't think it's going to make them play badly or anything like that. Um, so I, I think that uh, the Suns will end up winning the next game and closing out the series in six games. Um, that's what we had been saying the last few episodes on the podcast anyway. So that would actually make it come to fruition for us um, that we were right. So, hey, fingers crossed. Maybe we are there. Every now and then, uh, blind dog finds uh, finds a bone, right? Um, so, um, yeah, let's move on past that. Give you guys an update real quick. So Giannis is not going to be coming back in this game. Uh, it's about the nine-minute mark right now, uh, just under nine minutes. Uh, Drew Holiday just scored a bucket. Um, you know, they're, they're fighting back a little bit. They are. You know, it's a 16-point game. You know, they were down, like, I think 24 at, at one point. Now it's a 16-point game. I mean, they could continue to chip away at this, but, you know, if they don't get this down to a 10-point lead by the five-minute mark, yeah, I, don't, I don't think they really got a shot. Um, 
you know, Bogey just got a really easy layup. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough for them. But sucks that Giannis is not coming back. We'll have to see later reports on what's gonna happen to him with other games. Um, yeah, really, really sad there. It, it's always sad to see a guy go down or a guy get hurt. Um, you know, Trey Young not being able to play tonight definitely upsetting. And with Giannis, we don't know the severity of that injury right now. So that's very troubling, very upsetting. We know that Trey Young's injury is not going to be like a, you know, a huge thing that's going to keep him out for a long time or hurt his, you know, future of his career. But we don't know. Knees are very difficult. So let, let's just let's just hope for the best. Okay, and then now it's going to get us talking about something we talked about on both of these series that we've covered so far. And this is coaches, okay, and how. There's so many issues with coaching nowadays. And we talked about this a little bit in another podcast, but this is coming from a different angle. Coaches can't adjust the way they used to, guys. They really can't. Um, coaches have gotten spoiled with talent. Um, they have gotten so spoiled with, oh, I've got a guy who can just go out and score whenever he wants. Um, so, yeah, if it's a crutch situation, I'm just going to give it to him and let him create. Like, that's not coaching. That's not game planning. That's, that's, that's just... That's just the players just playing, okay? Um, you don't even really need a coach for that. Nowadays, the big thing about coaching is, like, you know, can you can you make sure these guys are playing the right minutes that they're supposed to? Can you sub in and out when a guy comes into a game and out of a game? Like, the basics. The absolute basics, guys. Um, that, that's... That's what people look for in coaches, and it's so ridiculous. Like, we talked about how coaches don't develop players anymore. We've talked about that. But even further, they cannot adjust. They can't make adjustments for game plans. It's just so absurd. You know, back in the day, Greg Popovich could make adjustments on the fly. He had three to four different game plans and tactics to go to in a game. And his team was prepared and ready and could switch at the drop of a hat. Now, no team can do that. Guys. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to say that. There's teams that can do that, but maybe some of them are lacking the talent. You know, like the Spurs, they're, they're lacking some of the talent. They're a really young team, so they haven't been able to, you know, make a, a run or anything like that. They haven't been a great team throughout the regular season. So they've struggled. You know, Eric Spolstra, who I think is a really great coach, um, you know, he can he can do those things. But, um, you know, his team, it just depends on how they're going to be playing. But you look at a lot of these teams that are in the conference finals and stuff right now, and it's really upsetting because you look at the coaches and every single one of them throughout these playoffs has had times of just making bonehead decisions. Like, just absolutely, like, what are you doing decisions um, with, their, with their strategy and their game plan with the players? Um, and that's just the big thing. You know, coaches used to always have to make adjustments on the fly. Um, and, and that was just how it would always go. You know, every single game, you had a different lineup in the fourth quarter. And, you know, yeah, you had your guys that you want in there. But if the other team's doing something, you got to change your strategy. Like, and it was more of a chess match than what it is nowadays. Uh, you know, right now there's only two or three moves to make, and that's all they ever do. That's all every coach does. So the more versatile the coach, the more versatile the players, 
the bigger the advantage that you're going to have when you get in the playoffs. And hence why this Hawks team is playing as good as they're playing. They're a very versatile team. Any guy can score in the right situations and you put them in the right spots. And so, you know, all the credit in the world to the coaching staff for the Hawks. I mean, they're they're doing well. They're coaching very well. They're putting their guys in the right situations to win. But, man, they're really taking advantage of some of these coaches that just aren't making the right decisions. I mean, look at the Knicks. The Knicks did not have the talent to get where they needed to get to um, and, and be the four seed in the playoffs the way that they were. Um, and that's why they got beat by the Hawks early in the rounds because, you know, they didn't have the talent, right? But Thibodeau was an amazing coach. He did a great job coaching. He, he made great adjustments. He put guys in places to win, gave them the best opportunity to win. But in the playoffs, it becomes a mix of talent and um, being able to be flexible, make adjustments. That is what the playoffs are all about. So, yeah, you have your talent, and you have to be able to maximize that talent. But, you know, it, it goes beyond that to understand, like, you know, your team has to be flexible. Your team has to be in the best ability to score. Um, and best ability to be efficient as well as your star. And that's the big thing in the playoffs. And that's why so many teams, I think, with all these big stars has gotten eliminated so far this year. Um, you know, I mean, you look at it, the biggest star that's in it right now is Giannis, and he got hurt. You know, Trey's playing really well. But, again, his team's really flexible and good around him. But that's just because these coaches, you know, now the playoffs, everything is one game plan the entire time. And that's just what they stick with the whole game. I mean, yeah, they run some other plays and things, but it's not like the coaches are drawing up plays as often. You know, they're not drawing up plays as often as they were. They're not changing things up as often as they were. You know, the teams have four or five sets that they do, and that's it. They just run it. That's all they do the entire game. And making an adjustment is really hard for the teams and the players um, because the coaches haven't took the time to teach them any adjustments that could be coming. The coaches don't prepare the way they used to prepare to be ready for these adjustments when they have to be made. So, you know, that that's the that's the challenge I think with this is um and that's what I'm seeing the challenges with coaches is, you know, and again, they want to go out, people want to go out and they want to hire these big names. They want to hire guys that's going to get headlines, all right? Ty Lu, like guys, why, why, why is everybody thinking Ty Lue's like such a great coach and should be, you know, uh, it's not like he's won like five championships, but whenever he's overlooked for a coaching position, everybody wants to be like, oh, it's racist or, oh, well, he definitely deserved that. Like, why? He hasn't shown that, okay? And every team wants to go get a flashy coach. So if there's a flashier choice. Why are they not going to go for someone flashier? Like, Ty Lue's a, a big name nowadays because people are all about that. I don't know why. I mean, the biggest thing he's famous for is getting stepped over by Allen Iverson. So, again, I don't understand why he's such a highly regarded coach. But you don't have the times of guys being assistants and moving up. And the guys that, used, that, that did get that opportunity, they were assistants. They were under someone for so long. And then they moved into a head coaching spot. Those guys have a lot of success. And guys who set and did their due diligence, you know, guys who were in college for a long time, like Brad Stevens, and worked his way up, he had great success because he did his due diligence, you know, and he worked his way up there. You know, it wasn't just, 
oh, yeah, you were a superstar player back in the day, or, oh, you would be good with headlines, so, yeah, let's hire you. Like, we think you're going to help motivate the team. Like, why? Why are we not hiring guys because they're experienced? Why are we not moving up more assistants in the league? Why are we going out and hiring a Steve Nash for a coaching role? Okay, Jason Kidd was coach. Jason Kidd coached as a head coach. And guess what? It didn't work out, guys. But then what did he do? He went and became an assistant. He worked under other people. Okay? Now he's going back to Dallas. And I think he's going to do a much better job this time because he's got some experience under him. All right? So let's see that. Let's see the Monty Williams who moves up into positions. Okay? Let's see those types of guys, you know, have their success. Because it's ridiculous that you know, Steve Nash, and and I have no problems with Steve Nash. He's one of my favorite players. I love Steve Nash, but he's getting the chance to coach as a head coach, similar to the way Tyron Lue got, you know, the the same way Ty Lue got to be a a coach was, oh yeah, we're going to make you a head coach, like overnight, basically. Like, why is it that that can happen for those guys, but then other guys who are assistants, who've worked their tails off, who have experience, you know, being interim coaches when guys get technicals or whatever why is it that those guys don't get looked at for these head coaching jobs as seriously why is it always about the headlines I just don't understand that I really don't get it you know you get a guy like Tom Thibodeau who's been around he's he's got a lot of great coaching experience I understand that for the Knicks and you know what the Knicks made the best move in the world by bringing him in because he wasn't going to be the biggest headlines they could have brought in a Steve Nash they could have brought in a Ty Lue they could have done things like that and gotten headlines, but they didn't. They finally said, you know what? Let's bring in a proven person with experience and see what they can do with our guys. Okay? And the Knicks, yeah, they, they were definitely not. The, the Nets the Nets were definitely not going to win a championship this year. Not, And it's not just because of Steve Nash, but it's because like you're throwing all those guys together in the first year, they barely played together all year, and then you got a coach that doesn't have experience coaching. I mean, that's a big thing. Rick Carlisle, he was removed from he was removed from Dallas. Like that was absolutely stupid on Dallas's part. And I, I love Mark Cuban. I like Mark Cuban. I have no issues with Mark Cuban. Um, honestly, like he's like one of my favorite owners in the league, and you know he's my favorite shark on Shark Tank. But like that was stupid to let. Carlisle go I mean I I really think that was stupid Um, same thing with the coach in Portland Uh, I can't think of his name right now but like you're 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 cutting these guys you're moving these guys and it's it's just gonna be frustrating because people are gonna continue to bring in headline coaches and it's like you don't it's just like it's just like if you're trying to bring in a coach because you have a stipulation like it's like if somebody said, oh, hey, you need a female coach on your roster. Okay, well, we, we have a head coaching position open, so let's just hire a female. Like, no, you should hire the best person for the role. And I only, I only threw the female example out there just because that was what popped in my head. So um, I think we need more female coaches in the NBA. But um, looking at it, you know, it's, it's the same thing with an African-American stipulation or, you know, hey, well – you know, we're playing in this state, so we need to hire a white coach. Like, 
why? Why are we caring about those things? Why do we care about the headlines? Why do we care about the politics? Hire the best coach. Hire the one that's got experience that has more efficiency to what they're doing, like who's proven. And we're just not seeing that right now in today's NBA. We're not seeing that. It's frustrating for me for sure. Um, I know it'll probably frustrate some of you guys at home, but there's plenty of coaches out there that should get a shot at coaching. Um, that would be um, a great opportunity for them. And I think they could do a really great job, but let's not, let's stop doing this where we go out and we get analysts who haven't coached. You know, let's not jump and say, okay, Mark Jackson, you're going to be a head coach. Let's not jump to Shaquille O'Neal and say, hey, you're going to coach. Or go get Charles Barkley and see if he'll coach. Or, or Kenny the Jet Smith. Like, no, these guys have not coached. They're analysts, okay? They have not coached. They have not had the experience of coaching. So, yes, they sit there and analyze coaches all day, and they tell them what decisions they should have made and crap, but they don't have the experience of doing it. So let's move up assistant coaches, guys. Let's give them a chance to move on, uh, move up in their careers, because they're putting in the time now. You know, they're putting in the time. It's not fair to them because they're stuck. They're stuck to always be an assistant coach. Like, unless they make some headlines and, and they played in the NBA or, you know, they, they did something on their Twitter that makes them well-known, they're not going to get a chance to be a head coach. That's not fair. That's not right. So, I think there's a lot of issues right now with the way coaching is in the NBA, but that's one of them. Uh, one of the things as well. You know, there's just not experience and stuff like that. Keeps the guys from knowing what to do. Um, when it comes to adjustments and things like that, because they don't have the experience. But anyway, um, back to updating you guys. So the game's pretty much over. There's like you know four minutes left, something like that. Um, Clint Capella just got injured. Um, I just got like hit in the face a little bit, so he's down on the court for a while. Um, I think he's got hit in the eye, so probably a decent a decent injury there. It didn't look to be something that was like massive. But it's definitely aggravating. He's still laying on the court. But um, hope all's well with him. Hope Giannis can come back and be healthy moving forward. Um, really would like to see both teams healthy going at it, guys. Like, this game just sucked in general. It just really did. It sucked in general. Like, even with the Hawks winning it. Like, if I'm a Hawks fan, I'm, I'm not sitting there, like, super excited about it. I'm not, you know, I'm just not. Because the Bucks clearly didn't bring their A game. And then you lose Giannis during the game, and so and, and Trey's not playing. It's just like, man, this this game just sucks. There's nothing good to watch in this game. There's really not because neither team is giving it their all. Neither team has their best guys out there. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it's just a crappy game. Just a crappy game, guys. But um, Anyway, we will see what happens um, tomorrow night, which is tonight, uh, if you're listening to the podcast. Um, so tonight we will see what happens with the Suns Clippers. Uh, again, I think the Suns will end up wrapping up the series um, in this game. And the Hawks and Bucks will be tying up their series right now. Um, interesting, I didn't think the Hawks would be able to steal uh, two games away in this series. I really did not see that coming. Uh, you know, we said it would probably probably be a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. Um, but not surprised how things have gone. You know, um, I think Trey Young being out, injuries are the things you really can't predict. So anytime something like that happens, you know, your predictions kind of go out the window. And 
and that's fine. Um, definitely going to be wrong if guys get injured and stuff like that. So we'll have to see what happens with Giannis, and then we can reevaluate some things. I still think the Bucks are going to end up winning this series. I think Giannis will come back. He was walking around a little bit gingerly. Um, so, you know, give him a couple days rest, and he should end up being able to come back and, and maybe play um, at least a little bit healthy. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll have to see. And we'll have to see how – Trey Young comes back um, and how he looks. So, anyway, with that being said, what do you guys think? Uh, what do you think about the series right now? Um, I'm very excited about how things are going. I think it's great, uh, but really want to see these guys get healthy and see the games get back to the level that it needs to be played at. So, yeah, with that being said, um, we'll go ahead and let you guys go. I know we ran a little long today. Um, didn't intend to, but just a lot of stuff that popped up um, as we were talking, especially with this game, a lot of news. So, yeah, we'll, uh, you guys will hear from us um, at least next week on Monday. But if not, um, we may actually, you may actually get to hear from us a little bit on Friday, depending on what's going on with the news. Because we've got to start talking about some NFL stuff here pretty soon so we can start breaking down some of our teams and things like that, getting ready for um, the NFL season and stuff like that um, as the playoffs start to come to a close. But, yeah, thanks, guys, for listening. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good day.